1: Welcome back. I'm your host, Jared Johnson, ready to share some more provocative thinking for healthcare innovators. Here on the Healthcare Wrap, we believe that the healthcare experience has to change and we're trying to do something about it. We can either stand back and let it take another 50 years or we can jump in right now. And I think you know how we roll. We're not going to coast in neutral. We're hitting the gas. Come be a part of it. Each week we talk about building the healthcare of tomorrow. We recently passed 170 episodes in three years on the air. We're now in season six where we're focusing on how to operationalize and scale consumer first healthcare and digging into the details of how to make it happen. So here's what's going to go down today. We have the flavor of the week about designing a greater experience together than any of us can on our own. That's how consumers ultimately win. So how do we create opportunities to collaborate? I'll talk about that. Then Zane and I share some provocative thinking about connected fitness and where it fits in consumer-first healthcare. Providers don't typically have an ongoing relationship with consumers, so what could happen if they partner with companies that do, like Peloton? This episode is jam-packed and we have a lot to share along the way. It's time to dive right in. Are you ready? Let's go.
0: Flavor of the week.
1: I've always been fascinated by how little the different sides of healthcare know about each other. Med devices, pharma, health IT, hospitals and health systems, health tech, life sciences, payers and providers. Patients, docs, nurses, tech and marketing. All discussing similar challenges that they want to solve, but with different jargon. It's time to open up the discussion beyond our traditional walls. Building the healthcare of tomorrow requires an understanding of not just one single part of the consumer health experience, but how all the parts work together. That's what we've been missing. We've been a team of linebackers trying to win the Super Bowl on our own. Well, guess what? It's time to go on offense and disrupt back by bringing our disciplines together. The industrial age manufacturing style business leadership wanted us to each stand at our spot at the conveyor belt and just be super efficient at our one thing. Optimizing, they called it. Doing more with less, they said. Entire incentive systems were set up under this system. Don't ask questions. Don't talk to anyone. Just keep your mouth shut and get more efficient at doing your part. But today's healthcare consumers ultimately win by the very process of us coming together and designing something together that's better than anything we can do on our own. That's the whole point. Can you imagine what EHRs could have looked like if they were designed with the patient experience and providers workflow in mind? We can design a better healthcare collaboratively. And that requires professional education for not just our current positions, because we all need to keep learning to do better at our jobs. But also, we need to understand how the parts all fit together. I see the ability to gain consensus as a game-changer and competitive advantage within our organizations. Till my dying day, I will advocate for a more connected and collaborative healthcare. This gives all new meaning to my favorite phrase, drop the silos. And the ways that we're going to make it happen are going to be new and refreshing. Everyone's invited. So while we can't learn everything about everything, I see value in over-indexing in four areas. One, human-centered design. Two, tech stack and data architecture. Three, finance. And four, brand. Do these categories sound familiar? They're the same knowledge areas that I'm convinced are required to design the healthcare of tomorrow. Now, if only we had a vehicle to make it all happen. But I'll save that for later. And that's the flavor of the week.
0: The flow, the
2: flow, the flow. Hey Zane, welcome back. How you been? Good, Jared. It's good to be back. Good to hear you. Good to see you. It's been a while. but I'm glad we're back. Yeah, I was
1: trying to think the other day. Like, how do people do it when? they greet each other the same way. And we've been doing this for like, we've been doing it for more than half a year now. I think this is like our, we're going on our eighth month of this thing.
2: I feel like it's been longer, but it's a good thing.
1: Well, it still feels like COVID time, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not, it's slightly and it's not post COVID anymore. Unfortunately, we're right in the throes of everything again. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would say, measurements of time don't mean much. It was just a way to uh, to quantify how long we've been doing this. And you're right, yeah. it definitely feels like longer. But what's the latest and greatest in your world?
2: Not a whole lot. I mean, I'm up here in Detroit, as you know. We're just trying to get through the, you know, the dog days of this pandemic. Delta variant's kind of a bit of a pest right now. And so a lot of the teams that I work with are dealing with that. And it's kind of like this weird we thought we were out of it, but now we're a little bit back into it. And so causing some anxieties. And we're just hoping this, the, that the fall won't be terrible, that we can get through it and get through the holidays and back to next spring or The fact that we're
1: still dealing with it is I've seen just this notable sigh of exhaustion come back into the conversation with most healthcare folks. You know, just this thought of really, again, like this fall, we really thought, you know, we're looking at everything from football schedules, you know, yeah. to fall conferences and saying any sign of normalization of life was going to be a good thing. And now it's all up in the air again. Yeah. Sure. It's, it's taken a step back in terms of just the, I think we're going to be talking about the mental health side of all of this again yeah. for everyone in the industry.
2: And, you know, you know, I remember the first few weeks into this, having a conversation with a friend of mine, up in Belleville, Ontario. And, you know, we we're talking about how this wasn't going to be a two-week thing. Like, remember when people thought this was just like a two-week lock at least in Ontario, it was just a two-week lockdown. And, you know, in our minds, like, no, 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 this is going to go on for a long time. And I think... You know, but maybe a good proxy for the time frame that we should be thinking about is, at least in my research, the Spanish flu when it hit. You know, earlier on in the century, that was like a three-year process that they went in it and out of it, and so we're about like just over 1.5 years into this, and so I would imagine we have another year to go of you know hearing about this all the time, managing it before it finally just becomes you know somewhat of an endemic and something that we can manage and plan around. And so everyone stick tight.
1: Right. Yeah. I like that. Well, I've always admired the way that, that you're able to, to be realistic and yet still hopeful, you know, yeah. and, and, and not extreme one way or the other. You know, yeah. the fact is there are plenty of reasons for us to be discouraged, but there are also plenty of reasons for us to be hopeful now. We, Absolutely. You know, things are different than they were a few months ago. And yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're trending in a different way. yeah, there's still, there's still a lot. I
2: mean, the good news is based on at least what I've been reading, certainly the Delta variant is more transmissible, but it's less deadly. And, you know, at least, you know, for the health systems that I'm familiar with in, you know, the Detroit region and the Michigan region, inpatient cases aren't increasing. So it means that if people are getting sick, they're just getting sick and staying home. It's not necessarily triggering hospitalizations. I mean, that's different though, for people who are unvaccinated, but. Some communities are doing okay, some aren't. But I think we're through the thick of it. I guess that's what my message is.
1: I hope so, too. I really feel like that, too. So there's a way to keep us going and kind of carried as we move forward. Hey, we're going to move forward. Things are going to, we're going to keep doing what we can. And in the meantime, living life one day at a time. So, hey, you know,
2: we'll do what we can. Absolutely. And digital tools and all the things we talk about on this podcast are definitely one of those tactics and strategies that will can help mitigate this and keep us connected to community through it.
1: right. And Zane, I think that's an interesting way of looking at at one point, you know early on and even in the early early days of the podcast, you know years ago, when the conversations were more about digital tools, and I think in the context of day-to-day, day-to-day life, if somebody wasn't, at a health system, actively working on digital and marketing and innovation, you know, they, they may have uh, said, Hey, that's a cool thing you guys are talking about, but you know, there's not a whole lot of relevance to my day-to-day life. Whereas today I feel like there is this convergence. We're talking about tool sets and frameworks and management methods Mm -hmm. and the digital tools themselves that are uh, ways of managing or just helping with one aspect of our health or wellness. And it's all kind of coming together in terms of how relevant this is in our daily lives, and I think nowhere am I seeing that more right now than in two areas. One is definitely mental health. I mean, mm-hmm. the the conversation around it. I couldn't be more encouraged because I, I don't even know. If, I, I don't know if I've ever you know gone into this, but my first two years in college, I, I was a psych major. Like I was going to be in the counseling and psych field. I not know that.
2: How did I miss that?
1: Yeah, it's probably just never come up. Well. <laughs> Well, to tell you the truth, there's not a whole lot in my schooling that I feel is that relevant, quite frankly. Like I didn't, you know, there wasn't a digital health or digital marketing, you know, or anything or or innovation at all. There definitely wasn't human-centered design uh, being offered in coursework back then. Uh, It was the dark ages. So maybe that's why it didn't come up. But I feel like I've always looked through a behavioral and psychological lens and sociology lens of why do people behave or not behave a certain way in healthcare? And I think it's just it's part of the mix. It's part of understanding what are we doing? How do we nudge people in the right direction? How do we influence behavior? And so mental health is definitely part of that. i'm I'm glad to hear that that's part of the conversation, and I think we'll we'll have a future episode focusing on that. You know the the other one is uh, a connected fitness, mm-hmm. and you've been posting a lot about this. I, I can't wait to dive into this because this whole thought of how you've even recognized early, early on. So you were one of the the early ones who recognized the connection between day to day healthcare, hospital provider relationships, and connected fitness. So let let's go here. Like, not sure the best place to start here in terms of maybe just the needs and the reasons for these big headline making moves and and acquisitions in the connected fitness world.
2: Sure. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll start it off by saying this Jared, like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, as well as I do that, you know, many hospital systems, you know, many folks in healthcare use this term moving care upstream. You know, we need to start proactively taking care of our patients or our health plan members You know, before they end up in the emergency room or before they end up in some type of acute need, you know, managing their chronic disease and so far. And so there's a lot of talk at every conference you go to on every podcast. You know, everyone talks about move care upstream, move care upstream. But in my opinion, we haven't. No one's really cast a vision for what that could really look like beyond launching, you know, really compelling population health play around, you know, having, you know, chronic disease managers out there and you know bringing people to appointments and their rides and managing their diabetes. But if you move even further upstream, at some point, at some point, you cross out of call it clinical care. And you start to get into wellness, be it mental wellness, and then you keep going even further up that stream sort of to the headwaters and you have to land in fitness. There's no way, there's no way you can't, right? And so one way I describe this to the folks that care to listen to me is we ultimately need to move health systems away from focusing on the point of care. That's a term that, you know, we use in clinical operations, which essentially means the place where care is delivered, clinical care, to what I call the point of thought, the point of activity, and the point of consumption. Because if you really think about it, Jared, everything that ultimately contributes to our health is how we think, so our thoughts, what activities we choose to engage in or not, or if we if we even move our bodies enough. And then finally, consumption, what we eat. So what we put into our what we put into our mouth in terms of food, what we consume in terms of drinks, alcohol, you name it, or and let's even be honest, things that we probably shouldn't put into our bodies like drugs and, you know, illegal substances, things like that. And so when you start to think about how is it that health systems can influence their patients or their health plan members or, you know, their members at the point of thought, at the point of activity, at the point of consumption. To me, that is the truest manifestation of moving care upstream. Like you can't really go any further than that. And what's also interesting, Jared, is if you you think of those as three big buckets, you can start to see that there's many just solution companies that are out there or full-on companies that are starting to play in those spaces. And so think about the point of activity. and so you have groups like Fitbit, Apple Watch, you name it, tons of now fitness trackers and wearables that help individual patients or sorry individuals, you know manage their fitness journey. Those things are largely unconnected to the formal health system. And so my primary care physician has no idea you know how well I'm doing at meeting my fitness goals, even though they could if we built the integration. Thinking about the point of consumption, it is less consumption, but think about like Dexcom, a company that creates a wearable that ultimately helps to manage, sorry, it's continuous blood glucose monitoring. Those tools aren't, you know, ubiquitously available or connected into formal health systems beyond, you know, beyond maybe chronic disease patients where we do do that, or we are starting to do that. And then finally, the point of thought. So think about, Things like the Muse bands, or other Lululemon is coming out with, or they're, they're starting about talking about coming out with some sort of like mindfulness health coaching. That's another piece that is still yet unconnected to the formal health system that could actually help move care upstream. So that's sort of you know at least my initial thoughts on where I think this is going to go, and I think there's just tons of opportunity for you know healthcare leaders, formal, to play in that space.
1: Hi, this is John Lynn from the Healthcare IT Today podcast. If you like the latest rumors, insights, and happenings in healthcare IT, you'll enjoy hearing my colleague Colin Hung and myself debate and share the latest happenings from the world of healthcare IT. Find the latest episodes or dig into our archive at healthcareittoday.com or search for Healthcare IT Today on your favorite podcast application or YouTube. When it comes to healthcare technology, we love this stuff. And we can't wait to have you join in on the discussion of everything health Hey, this is Scott Burgess from Healthcare 360, the fair and balanced healthcare podcast, exploring everything you wish you knew about healthcare, but don't. Join us weekly in an open, transparent conversation with some of the biggest names in the healthcare business surrounding this one question and one question only. Had you known there were other options to exhaust and explore before you traveled down the traditional healthcare route, how would you weigh those options against what you think healthcare and medicine really is? For more information about Healthcare 360 and how together we can help transform lives, visit scotteburgess.com, subscribe to our YouTube channel, or follow us anywhere you enjoy listening. See you there. I really like the thought process itself because we're trying to help every health entity wherever they are in the the ecosystem, the health system, the consumer journey, understand how a consumer thinks. And I think for a long time, we did just say, let's just build some digital tools. Let's automate certain parts of a relationship and communication and outreach. And let's build in the marketing part of it, for instance, and figure out how to Send emails that are personalized that are based on your web behavior, what websites you visited. You visited the page about this condition. So let's send you information about that. And it did it, you know, it took us a good solid decade. Yeah. To manage the platforms, architect them together, and get what I consider like this digital consumer relationship 1.0. Yeah. To me, that's what this last decade has been. And we've like needed web that. 1.0. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And so now I, th- I feel like we're talking about like What's the next decade? We're looking ahead, yeah. and and it is going to be well. Guess what? You and whatever part of your organization, if you're at a hospital or health system, or if you're part of a startup, you know, you've created a connected health app. If you are, you know, in the payer space, life science, pharma, you name it. Everyone's in one part of that, and everyone has kind of said that the the consumer journey revolves completely around them. They, yeah. We've all been kind of centrist to whatever part we've been part of if that makes sense. And I can say that, you know, being part of a, you know, a number of hospitals and health systems to see how we think, how can we bring a consumer back? And we don't even call them consumers. We call them patients. How can we bring a patient? Like when a patient needs care again, how can we make sure they come to us? Sure. And they're not just this thought of, I love that when you're talking about like the point of thought. So a consumer isn't waking up every day thinking which hospital or doctor am I going to go see today? They're, well, most of us, I would say. <laughs> Sometimes that is a thing you have to wake up on a, on a regular basis. For the majority of consumers, it, it does feel like that is not something that's part of your day-to-day process. And so you have to give a reason to to a consumer. Yes. To
2: interact uh, with you. Yeah.
1: yeah. And you have to have a relationship. Like If that relationship is zero right now, then there's not going to be much of a trust factor there. You can throw all sorts of information. It can be the right, you know, in in digital marketing parlance, the right message, the right person at the right time and the right channel. I mean, that's been like the thing we've tried to do for the last decade with all of the marketing architecture. And you can do all that and it's not going to nudge a a consumer in the right direction Mm -hmm. without a relationship,
2: without some kind of trust going on there. So, you know, that's... I think you're hitting the nail on the head here. Like, that's the opportunity. So imagine now, you know, how might a traditional or legacy or formal health system, you know, rethink their partnerships paradigm or strategy to partner with some of these guys say, hey, listen, like with all the data you're collecting on, you know, a Peloton member, you know, that's jumping on the bike, you know, how might we work with Peloton to understand that when, you know, one of our health plan members or one of our patients, you know, isn't exercising as much, how could we reach in? And offer an intervention to keep them aligned to their fitness goals, which is ultimately their health goal. And so I think when we reorient to thinking about the point of thought, the point of activity, and the point of consumption, what we're really talking about is looking for ways to increase the frequency of an intervention or frequency of intervention, so being influential over our patients more. However, what we also want to do is decrease the intensity of those interactions. So more interactions, but less intense, which ultimately, hopefully ultimately can start to make care more proactive and predictive with the foundational goal of ultimately you know, easing the burden of care, both on the patient in the provider decreasing human suffering and then also because you have this potential for cool and new interactions you can also drive brand engagement and loyalty to the formal health system and so i think it's it's just a field of dreams about what could be created and what partnerships could be created um, to drive at some of this so perfect example if i may for a minute is recently we found out that the united health group so you know the health the national health insurance plan is i'm not sure if it's for all of their products but at least for you know a significant amount of folks who are insured under United Health, they will receive discounted memberships to Peloton. That's pretty darn good, right? If I mean, if I was a health plan executive, I want, I want my people working out, right? Because at the end of the day, that's ultimately going to decrease my spend as the health plan executive who is trying to manage their care and manage the utilization. And so if I can get people on, you know, the Peloton bike every day, you know, for 30 minutes, have a vigorous workout in the long run. Uh, the health plan is going to perform better. And so I think this is like the first of probably many connected health, if you will, plays that we'll see connected into formal health systems. At some point, I wouldn't be surprised if like Lulemon and Mir and like an American Well or a Teladoc come together or, you know, work in, in some sort of ways. Because essentially having, you know, a Mirror tool or, sorry, a Mirror exercise platform in your house could be an awfully Awesome way to potentially deliver telehealth or some sort of other types of health coaching and so on and so forth. And so I would be looking to them as well as another set of non-traditional players that would get into the industry.
1: Well, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Non-traditional players. Mm-hmm. Those who we wouldn't necessarily look to. I mean, yeah, hospital health system, they they tend to think their competitors are the other hospitals and provider networks in their market, in their local market. And you and I both know that is only one, one subset of other opportunities you have to go seek care. The biggest one that I don't see anyone ever talking about is not seeking care at all. You know, one of the options a consumer has every day is, well, okay, I'm just not going to do it. Like, I'm just not going to go see anybody. And so you have to have some initial content and or relationship and a reason in a person's mind to say, okay, first and foremost, I am going to go seek care for this, despite everything that makes that a terrible experience, which is the reason why I don't want to go seek care it all comes back to opportunity for me. Here's the opportunity. The bar is pretty low. <laughs> you know, Improve the customer experience by X percent. And you can have people becoming loyal and improving their relationship with you because of that. It's not monstrous efforts. Like, there are some right. incremental ways to take advantage of the fact that no one else out there is drawing people in because of their experience. So yeah. um, I see opportunities.
2: Yep, absolutely. And you know, I think, you know, one issue, and we talked we've talked about this at nauseum in healthcare is that because healthcare is so episodic. It's hard to drive brand engagement because you you don't really see or hear from your patients daily, nor does your patient want to hear from you, right? But if somehow my health provider was partnered up with a brand that I do want to interact with every day, it becomes a win win. Like a Peloton, like a Little Lemon, like maybe you know my own fitness club. To me, that's the win. Where brands who you know people actually want to interact with every day can partner with the health provider and work together to ultimately create what I would, I, mean, I guess you should call them treatment plans that truly move care upstream and keep people healthy. Okay. That just And that
1: just brought something. I have no idea if Peloton or anyone else does this right now, but what about partnerships with local community providers, right? So what if one of the options for one of your instructors is, you know, running prep with, you know, local Dr. Ismail, you know, who's a, you know, an ortho surgeon and sports med specialist, in detroit you know and they're they're leading one of the classes or even like like a segment at the yeah. end of a of a course hey this a hey, real quick like like the advertising that they could sell just to hey make it yeah. where hey yeah this is dr ismail hey just uh make sure you warm up this you know here, here's five quick stretches uh if you're you know getting ready for a run or whatever have a great one no i think yeah if i
2: well now you're thinking like a marketer so if You know, if I was, you know, the director over any types of like sports medicine division in a hospital system or functional med wellness, I would be looking to find opportunities with all these partners to come together. And, you know, you know, maybe so an insight on all this came like years ago. So years ago, when I used to work in Canada you know, one of our hospital partners opened up what they described as a cardiovascular wellness rehab clinic. I'm probably butchering their name, but it was that wordy. And I remember visiting it and, you know, I was still knew into healthcare. And so I just assumed I knew nothing. And you know, I assumed I was going to be walking into some fancy, you know, I don't even know. I don't know what a cardio rehab wellness clinic looks like. So I walk in Jared and, you know, God help me, you know what it was? It was just a room full of treadmills. And, you know, you know, maybe some other monitoring equipment and stuff to make a little bit more medical. But that's when I realized, like, wait a minute, like, this is just a gym. Like, why did the taxpayers of Ontario spend, you know, X millions on this? Why don't we just partner with the gym down the street and just work, you know, work on a partnership to get the patients there, you know, to get them to come in and walk for 30 minutes a day or whatever their treatment plan is. And so that clued me in, like, You know, as we think about health at home, hospital at home, why can't we work with some of the big fitness brands, be it Peloton or Precor, which, by the way, Amazon Care and them are working together, not on a a health or fitness product—at least not that I'm aware of—but Amazon Care sold their product to them. But who knows? Maybe they'll innovate in the backspace. But why aren't we working with you know these fitness brands and you know fitness equipment companies to basically do what we do in clinic? on some of these, you know, cardio and and health wellness clinics and so on and so forth. That's the opportunity. You are so,
1: so spot on here. I see you know, this is something, that's the trend for us to keep an eye on.
2: Absolutely. Um, You know, at some point too, I wouldn't be surprised if a health plan or a hospital system enters into a partnership with a fitness club, like a national chain of some sort, or even a super regional one. I could quickly see like the high-end gyms potentially jumping into something like a what do they call it around here? Is it LA Fitness? Yeah, there's one of them that's super premium. To just start offering their services, I think it totally makes sense, especially on the health plan side. Discounting memberships for your for your health plan members to get out there, and then potentially—I don't know if it's legal—but potentially incentivizing people to go and say, "Hey, if you if you're going at least you know three times a week, and we can tell because you check in, you know, we're gonna you know offer a rate cut on some of your premiums or your deductible or something like that, which they already, which they already try to do on certain health plans. Like you have to do a yearly physical or, you know, do it twice a year and maintain, you know, a certain engagement with your health plan or sorry, with your provider to get a discount. So I could see that model being replicated into into something a little bit more robust with a fitness provider.
1: Oh, you're not kidding. And then like an offshoot of that, I mean, one other opportunity would be partnering with A direct primary care or concierge practice. Absolutely. Or even a retail clinic. But one of these that naturally has, I mean, uh, where I'm drawn to direct primary care, DPC or concierge practices is that they do have a relationship. We were talking about the benefit of these partnerships is having the relationship to have some reason to engage with the consumer in between those episodes of care. Absolutely. And if we focus on that, then you say, well, a direct care, a direct primary care provider also has reason to, you know, if they're typically I mean, the ones that I know, including my own primary care provider, uh, who is a DPC, they do have a relationship with their patients and I'm like, I'm getting information. I literally, you know, I, I had a little, uh, pain in the back, you know, a year or two ago and I just texted my doctor real quick and he's like, Hey, here's a couple stretches, try these. And if not, we can we can bring you in or whatever, instead of, Hey, go find the emergency room or whatever. Like his first thing was he was incentivized to keep me healthy. That's the missing piece in a lot of episodic care. Uh, And again, most specialties don't have that, you know, that benefit, like they're they're there to help you in an episode of care, but there's a benefit of there at the end of the day, there's a relationship there, even with a potential primary care provider, and especially one who is incentivized to keep you healthy. I mean, there's an opportunity right there.
2: Yeah, no. And I think even more broadly, this whole thing's going to break out where there's going to be, you know, care models developed around in three big buckets so the first is going to be around identify and so as you know genomic testing becomes cheaper and more diffuse in pharmacogenomic testing there will be practices that will set up and with all the right partners they'll basically tell you to come on in every year or as you sign up for the practice and say, let's figure out who you actually are, Jared, let's run all these tests. Some that are covered by insurance, some that aren't. Let's figure out what foods you're sensitive to. Let's figure out what medications you might over metabolize. So it doesn't work for you or under metabolize, which becomes toxic for you. Let's lay all that out. And then let's, and once we know who you are, then let's figure out a plan for recovery. So to either, You know, make sure that you're bring your body back to the state that it should be. Assuming you have some deficits, or maybe you're an athlete and you work out a lot, and so we want to you know bring your body back from all the labor you've put it through. And so it'll be identify, recover, if you will. And then the third bucket will be services related to performance. So how do you become the best functioning Jared you possibly can within your biological makeup? And so looking at what you're eating, how you're working out, what medical care you might need, so on and so forth. Those three buckets, I think, are going to come together and there'll be some very compelling, interesting, provocative and proactive care models start to surface.
1: Keywords right there, proactive care models. And this Absolutely. is what we need to be paying attention to. And again, yeah. these are opportunities for all these different entities to get involved, recognize that this thinking upstream, what that really means, and then use some, use the tool set of human-centered design and realize, like, okay, how do we put a product or service offering together? How do we test and validate it? And how do we get it out there in the world? Instead of just being stuck in the cycle of Well, let's just ignore or downplay the innovation that's happening out there. And I think that's to sum it all up. That's where I keep coming back to. That's the other option here. Downplay or ignore. And instead let's latch onto, let's lean in. Let's be empowered by the changes that are happening with connected health, connected fitness, whatever it be, and find ways to explore it and validate it and create new service offerings. That's where I, that's where I'd say.
2: Agree. Well, one thing I'll you know, I want to be clear with our listeners, because I don't want to be perceived as too in the sky, but I will say this there currently is very limited reimbursement for anything I just described, or a proven financial model. And so that's some of the work that us as a community need to do is how might we start to piece these things together in a way that you know that A works for a payer, you know, in a way that's affordable. And that makes sense because I mean, let's be honest, in the United United States healthcare is a business. And so it has to operate by, you know, market measures. But I just wanna be clear, those those things currently don't exist. And it's partly in you know that explains a lot of the reason why we don't see this yet, but we can work on it, and I think as an industry, we can push.
1: Agreed, agreed. And this could be a great topic for another episode here. you know, in closing, I'm, i agree there's not a fee for service style reimbursement for preventive care. Correct. And yet there are ways to make it work, whether the health system owns a health plan, you know, whether there are subscription based primary care models that, that are owned, you know, like DPC clinics that are owned by the health system. Uh, th- there are ways to potentially go outside of that thought of how do I get reimbursed for a certain episode of care. So mm-hmm. yeah, maybe that's that's probably a let's open it up a whole can of worms. But I love that <laughs> okay. because that's that's the first thing that we look at and say, yeah, see, let's not even spend time doing that. And, get, and then there's the whole thought of you know value based care, um, bundled contracts, and everything. And that is a piece of the puzzle here too, which is oftentimes one reason why we just don't go that far down this road. So I'm glad you brought it up. Zane, always always a pleasure. I just love where our conversations go. We were trying to give some real good pragmatic examples of how this could work. But the thought process itself is where this has to start. We have to redesign and we have to think differently. And then we get into the details of what tools do we
2: use and what do we actually create uh, to to make this work. And I think just in closing, I think the real opportunity for hospital systems is to get in on this game because someone's going to build it. And I think that, you know, traditional medical people need to have a seat at the table because we bring a perspective that, you know, digitally enabled companies don't necessarily nor do nor do fitness companies. And so we need to advocate that we deserve to be at the table and find the right partners to help build this out because someone will. And if we don't you know, keep a loud enough voice or don't demonstrate that we want to play in that space, you might get shut out. And I think that's going to be to to their detriment. So it's our opportunity to lose.
1: Oh, great note and a great way to wrap all this up, Zane. All the best to you and everything you've got going on. Let's keep this conversation going. Uh, we we'll look forward to the next guests we have coming up and the next topics. There's always so much to talk about, but uh, I'm always happy to do this. Uh, have a great week. Talk to you next time.
2: Thanks, Jared. Have a good one. Ed Marks here with Digital Voices, the only podcast
1: for chief digital officers across all of healthcare and life sciences. Digital Voices is about the voice of the patient, the provider, the payer, pharma, big tech, retail, public health. Really, any part of the healthcare and life sciences ecosystem. That's the digital voice we want to capture as we learn
2: and break barriers across the entire spectrum. Join us weekly as we drop our pod.
1: Hey, thanks again to Zane, and thank you for listening. We hope you found some value in this conversation, and if you did... Can you go subscribe and tell your friends and colleagues about this podcast? If you like what you heard, please spread the word. Healthcare Wrap is a member of the Shift.Health content network. If you enjoyed this podcast, you're going to love the other shows in the Shift.Health content network. In fact, go check out the latest podcast in the network called Hello Healthcare, hosted by Chris Hemphill. It's focused on people who are moving healthcare forward, how healthcare strategy relates to data and AI, and what you can do to create or demand a better future. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or at Shift.Health where all 33 podcasts and video shows are free and available on demand. Until next time, keep marketing forward. Thanks. And that's a wrap.